Welcome to the Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. For more information on how CertainPath can put your contracting company on a certain path to success, visit our website, www.mycertainpath.com. I hope you enjoyed today's show and take away another or two. Matt, Bill, and Bill, thank you so much for joining me today. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, very excited to talk with you three gentlemen. Uh, for those who haven't had a chance to meet you at a Certain Path Expo or training, can you share with everyone your names, the company name, and where you guys are located? Sure. I am Bill Burkhart Sr. I'm the old guy. Uh, we're located in Metro Detroit, and we are Four Seasons Kangaroo. Very good. And the two gentlemen to your right. So uh, my name is Bill Jr. Uh, I oversee the sales and the marketing and the call center here. Uh, so happy to be with you, Bob. And I'm uh, Matthew Burkhart. Um, I'm the middle son, and I am the head of field operations. Very good. Now, senior, is old guy on your business card? Is that your LinkedIn profile or anything? Or is that it's, just what you're calling yourself? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Okay. Well, your sons are nodding their head yes, so I'm going to guess that they agree with that. So, fair enough. <laughs> you have the uh, other nicknames for him, too. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some, okay. some he knows about, some he doesn't, I'm sure. Um, hey, well, we're, we're talking for a great reason. I'm, I'm super pumped to have you. You guys have been just killing it the last few years. This is your chance to brag about yourselves and your team. Kind of share how sales have grown the last, uh, say, three years. The year you go ahead. Right. Yeah. Um, so we've been really blessed and fortunate over the last three to four years um, where we started. You go back about five, six years ago where, you know, my dad was doing the sales and estimating for the commercial side. I was the only guy doing sales uh, on the residential side. Um, and we got serious about it, actually. You know, went through the uh, certain past sales training, got focused about on, on the actual sales process and building a team and following the process. And what was kind of beautiful is we just kind of went, well, they know what they're doing, so we're going to follow that process. And, and it worked, right? And we've been really fortunate to now increase that and add to the team. We're up to a sales team of uh, eight guys now uh, with a full call center and call center manager. And uh, yeah, it's been a really cool ride. But it's really just been about trusting the process more than anything. Yeah. Let's see, in terms of, of dollars, I love to put dollars on things. You're, you guys are hoping to hit 14 this year. Is that right? Correct. 14. Yes. And then what, what was all the, the two years prior? So people understand what how you guys are growing. So two years ago, we were about 10. Last year, we were 12.3. And this year, we will be north of 14 somewhere. That's awesome. Now, in terms of uh, breakdown of what that is, because you guys do commercial, you do residence replacement and repair, look, kind of maybe let people know what that, that percentage breakdown is. Sure. So our goal every year is 40% commercial, 40% residential, and 20% service. Very good. Now, in terms of the commercial side, I know we don't talk a lot about that, but what types of commercial projects are you guys doing? Go ahead, Junior. Yeah, so we actually, we took the the certain past sales model and really adopted it backwards to commercial. Um, and what we do is we focus on going after commercial private negotiated work. And we're one of the only people here in Metro Detroit, as far as uh, commercial roofers, who have a dedicated sales team. You know, we're actually going out and doing a needs assessment, evaluating the client. Are they the right fit even for us to begin with? Then doing the inspection, coming back with solutions, you know, and we're focused on let's sell them service. Let's get them into what we call the King of Care Club, our maintenance program, because then they're our maintenance program for four or five years. A, we're generating revenue every year. We're deepening that relationship. And then when it does come time for that uh, $100,000, million commercial roof, I won't say they won't get other uh, contractors, but we're going to be in the driver's seat. And we have that same apples to apples guarantee, and we're almost assured that when that replacement comes due, we're going to be the ones who can sit down, do that apples to apples scope review. And, and if we can do that, we know 90% of the time or better, we're going to earn that contract. So we really just adopted the residential model over to the commercial side. Support for this podcast comes from Yellowstone Local. Are you a home service company struggling to find experienced employees to hire? 
then you need to schedule a meeting with Yellowstone Local, the undisputed leader in helping home service companies build high-performing teams. Yellowstone Local doesn't just fill open positions, they shift your entire recruiting paradigm, changing your brand into a magnet for amazing people and helping you hire people that embody your vision, your drive, and your commitment to excellence. With an intentionally extensive approach, you'll have a partner that builds and executes the entire process for you, saving you time and money while getting the best results. So, in an industry where your product is your people, don't settle for less where it matters most, Visit YellowstoneLocal.com today and experience a different way to hire. For more information, contact Warren Lentz at 512-962-2638 or email Warren at YellowstoneLocal.com. And RoofSnap. Are you tired of spending hours measuring and estimating roofing jobs? RoofSnap is here with powerful tools to provide fast measurements and estimates that simplify and speed up the sales process. When you order roof measurement reports, they arrive in your inbox in as little as two hours or 60 minutes or less with rush delivery. Or draw your own roof measurements and receive your report in minutes. Certain PATH members can try out a free seven-day trial of RoofSnap. If you subscribe after your trial ends, you'll get five free measurement reports plus one free extra report if you sign up by June 30th. Don't miss the chance to simplify your roofing process and boost your bottom line. Look for RoofSnap in your Certain Path portal to get started today. We're gonna, we're gonna dig in a lot more into the operational things in a minute. Before we, we get too deep, I always like to share people's personal stories and that we don't have to get too, too, I mean, we could spend an hour, everyone's backgrounds and everything, but just so people know, now Senior, you, you have a unique a track, you know, unique uh, path into roofing, right? You weren't exactly born into it. You were in uh, doing electronics or something like that. Maybe kind of share your quick story and how you got into roofing. Sure. Um, back in the day, I was selling uh, electronic electric motors and motor repairs for because uh, Detroit's a huge industrial area, and I had a really good job and I had a really good sales manager. And long story short, we were so good at what we did that I was actually kind of bored. Uh -huh. With my job, I could do my job in 30 hours a week. So I started looking at this going, and I was in my mid-20s. Well, if I want to work hard and look for other opportunities where I can really make some good money, that's where the electronics came in. Mm -hmm. And I went to work for an electronics company, and without going through all the details, it was an un unmitigated disaster. Um, they were less than honest and truthful about what the opportunity was. And when I was struggling through that, I had an opportunity to go work for a wholesaler in the roofing business. Then a roofing contractor offered me a job, and I've been in the roofing ever since. Very good, very good. Now, Matt, you you uh, you were the first of the sons in the business, but you originally were not thinking that, right? You went to school for for education, right? Yeah, so I was uh, getting my degree at Michigan State University to become a teacher. And in the summers, I would roof. Um, I was a foreman running the crew, and about three quarters way through college, I just decided don't really want to be a teacher and called right. my dad that hey i want to take it over someday and that's what we did after college no right and it, it didn't tell his mom till after he graduated from college ah yeah <laughs> keep her in the dark a little bit you know it's all worked out it's all worked out but uh matt if i'm not mistaken when you guys originally joined uh at was then success group international now certain you weren't really sure about the model or about re really residential service, right? If I'm not mistaken, you you thought commercial was the only way to go? I wasn't sure. I didn't know what it was for. Yeah. My dad sure. finally took me to an expo, and I'm like, oh, this is this is awesome. Why didn't, I go, why didn't you take to me one of these two years ago? I would have bought in on it. Right, right. I wanted to bring that up because I think it's important for people to hear that. It's, it's To bring your your key people with you is, is a valuable part of, of the program and, and getting buy-in, so... Uh, that's cool. Now, I was going to say, now, Senior, when I interviewed you, Junior was not even, I don't think, in the business yet, right? Now, Bill, you were you were working, you were also in education, right? You were yeah. You were in high school? Yep, yeah. So I graduated from uh, undergrad and then got a uh, job as the admissions director for a private uh, college prep high school here in Metro Detroit and yeah. built that up, uh, did the marketing, all that fun stuff. Because I'm the guy, I, I openly tell everyone, I am the anti-roofing guy. I hated roofing growing up. Cause I was the son of a roofer and wanted nothing to do with this. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, like, like plays out the way it does. And long story short, I hit after 10 years there and some really great mentors 
it was time to move out. And when I was looking around for the next opportunity, for me, I knew I could sell and I knew I could market, but I had to be passionate about it. And I wasn't finding anything. I was uh, consulting with these two and it was always in the back of my head. And one day we just kind of just kind of went, hey, what do you guys think about blah? And uh, literally it was the rest is, is history because they both kind of went, yeah, we never wanted to bring it up to you because you were happy doing what you're doing. And, and the rest really is history, as they say. Sure. How long has that been then? So when when did you jump aboard? So I came back in uh, April of 2018. 2018. Holy yep. cow. Yeah. Now, again, uh, before we, we start picking at the operations and all that nitty gritty, uh, the big news is you guys are in the process of acquiring the business, right, from dad? That's in the works? Yeah. Yep. What, yeah. what have you learned from the... Yeah. What have you learned from what? Yeah. What have you learned from this process? Because that's happening a lot. We're seeing more and more of that. Whether it's private equity acquiring or, or family acquiring it from family or, you know, what what have you guys learned from this process? Oh uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to go. So, when this happened, there's also a third gentleman, Brian, who is uh, he's our finance and accounting controlling position here. Um, and there's there's models for buy sells, there's for transitioning for all that kind of stuff, and. What was kind of cool about this process is we had four different people with four different objectives and four different ideas. And then between that and then you bring in your your CPA and your lawyer. So it's like, okay, this is what I want to do. Well, what can you do? Right. And we went back and forth for about a year and a half. And we have a hybrid model for what we came up with that I've never heard anybody do that's anything similar to what we do. Yeah. And a year or two into it, and I'm like, yeah, it's just the right thing. But now four years in, I was like, it was, it, I, I don't want to say it was genius because it wasn't. It was four people coming together. Uh, I'm giving up this, you're giving up this, you're giving up this to put this deal together. And when it was all said and done, I think it's a groundbreaking agreement for how to transition in and out of a business. So how many years are you into the process? Then? Two or years yeah, I think this is here. Four, five. Okay. What what makes it unique to some of the other things that you originally proposed? Um, there's it's a three step deal. So phase one was years one through three. One through three. One through three. And at that point, they their purchase of the company was very small. We gifted okay. each. I gifted each one of them a certain amount of stock in a company. Sure. Then they when we turned profit. They can take the profit from their small little bit of stock, use that to buy me out. Rolling. Then phase two, they pre the basically in in year four they're pre buying the next level. Got it. And then they got, I think seven years to pay that off. Yeah. And same thing. Take hopefully hopefully take it out of the profits at the end of the year. Right. They're not coming out of pocket. And then that's great. When I'm when I'm seventy, I'm out. Um. Whether I work here or not, I will no longer own the company. Um, and they have a five-year note to pay me off. And they each have, so like Matt has rate of first refusal for a certain amount of stock. If he doesn't choose it, then Billy can choose it. If Billy doesn't want it, then Brian can take it. So yeah. every step of the way, there's options available for all three of them. That's great. Was it just a lot of conversations, a lot of open, honest conversations that came to this? I mean, sounds like it took a little bit. Yeah, I would I would say that's probably the single biggest thing. Uh, yeah, it, and it's the ability. It was to my dad's point, the ability for four people to just have some brutally honest um, dialogue. But the the positive out of that is once you go through that, and I don't use brutally in a negative sense, but like truly yeah. just being open and honest. Because yeah. you know, I'll go to expos now, and I I see generational businesses, and you know we'll start talking in some of those after events, and, and there's no clear plan. And, and it can lead to a lot of uncertainty. It can lead also to a lot of assumptions that can lead to hard feelings if it doesn't play out that way. Yeah, and I think from my standpoint, one of the things I'm really appreciative of is it's black and white. It, yeah. It's a legal document. It's set. There's no guessing. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like, it is what it is. Um, and I like it, too, because nobody can ever say, like, oh, well, you just got your dad's business. Like, oh, no. We're, believe me, I see the check going to the old guy. We, it is not being gifted. <laughs> Right, right. Oh, that's great. That's that's neat. You guys have figured out a, a strong process. Because you're right, there can be a lot of hurt feelings. There's a lot of, well, I thought I was going to get it, and this and that and the other, and and that's beautiful. And you guys are upfront about it. I'm sure the team knows about it, that, what you guys are doing. Yeah. Right? They, so it's straightforward. I mean, I think anytime there's open 
and honesty, it's just good for business. So that's great. Well, I wanted to be sure to hit on that before I lost track. Uh, let's go ahead and, and talk about about the the organization a little bit. Um, in the office, who, who to the to the other gentleman? I'm sorry, I already lost his name. He's handling the financing finances, and what's his name again? His name is Brian. Brian. All right. Want to be sure to give Brian a shout out. So Brian, thank you. So who else is in the office with you guys? Who that's, that's running the, the business these days? Why don't you start? What do you have? You have a, your team gone pretty substantial in the last year. Yeah. So we have a head of facilities um, and IT. So he's in charge of our whole shop, all the fleet, all the vehicles, and all the IT for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and then we have like commercially, we have commercial project managers and superintendents. Residentially, same thing: project managers and on-site. We call on-site project You said on-site what managers? On-site project managers. Versus we have an project. admin project manager in the office. Okay. Very good. All right. And is and then you said uh, in terms of uh, sales, you had about eight salespeople right nowadays. Yeah, so you're up to eight salespeople, um, three wow. commercial, three residential replacement, and two residential uh, uh, repair salesmen. Because we do break it up that way. You're either selling repairs or replacements on the residential side. Okay. Um, we Great. have a uh, call center manager, Pete, who's also our sales administrator, uh, okay. and then two uh, call center representatives. And then we have just brought on um, Sue who is the shared administrative assistant between uh, uh, my dad and myself. Okay. Very good. Very good. Now, and, uh, oh. I'm, I'm, head of, I'm, I'm head of service. That's one of my roles. Okay. And I have a, uh, we'll call her a service coordinator. She's the administrator for all the service. Yep. And then I have a service superintendent who he's in charge of the guys in the field and getting the work done and getting it done, obviously, to the quality that we want. guys have, I'm just still shaking my head out. How much you guys have grown since I first got to know you. That's fantastic. Um, so, <laughs> how did you get here? No, a lot of hard work. It's it's phenomenal. Um, how many, like, I'm assuming you guys, you, on the residential replacement, use sub-crews or it's not in-house, or what do you guys do? Yeah. Okay. Well, so, yeah, resi- steep slope, we subcontract all shingles out. But then okay. pretty much everything else is in-house. Flat roofing, metal roofing, repairs. Well, we do subcontract out gutters. Okay. Very cool. All right. That's great. Okay. Well, I wanted to get a scope of the operation. Let's uh, let's pivot into, uh, you know, it all starts with a phone call. You need to have a phone call to have anything happen. So what's, uh, you guys have been growing at a steady clip. How, how's the uh, call volume this, this year been? I mean, you said before I hit record, you had a storm that's kind of accentuated things, but have you guys been pretty steady or have you hit some valleys that we've been hearing in some other industries across yeah, it, it's kind of been uh, interesting over the last three years because you had COVID, which really disrupted the normal cycle. And now over the last, I'd say, 18 to 24 months, we've gotten back into a more normal cycle. And yeah. what we're really focused on is planning for the seasonality of our business. You know, we know like right now, just even for us to come out and look at a repair, we're operating on a wait list that's got like 40 people deep on it because we can't staff enough repair salesmen to cover everything in the fall. But if we did it for the rest of the year, you know, I'd have half my repair sales team sitting around in July when it's 80 and sunny and there's no weather around here. So really been focused on just on uh, focused on growing the waves. So make sure the highs are higher and just raising the bottom or the drop when we're in the slower seasons. And the call center has been a big part of that because we've really embraced the outbound calling this year. Oh, good. Okay. Because yep. You know, they might generate just two or three leads in a week, but that can be the difference between hitting your number or not. And uh, they really embrace it. I, I attribute a ton of that growth to getting our call center really tight, really focused on keeping the schedule full, and just finding those marginal opportunities, the ones and twos that are coming from the KKC callbacks or, you know, hey, we couldn't book you then, let's call back and try and book you now. Um, because that might be the, literally the difference when a roof is $20,000, one one appointment, one call could be, did you hit your number or not for the week? So the outbounding, is it mostly moving opportunities up? Or are they also following behind, say, uh, you know, sales quote that wasn't closed or a repair quote that wasn't closed? What What is the full scope of outbounding? So it, it's twofold. Um, we, we have one, we call it the money list, which is, um, you know, once a, once a quote is two weeks old, it's no longer the salesman's, right? And the call center can start calling those to follow up. And, and if they get that, uh, signing set, they're going to get a percentage of that sale. So that's one Thanks. aspect of it. The other is just calling back to our previous clients. Um, and I, and I do occasionally purchase a list 
you know, we, we went really after churches for a period of time. So I purchased a, a call list of the local churches. Um, and so we may focus on those things from time to time, but 90% of it is just calling our old clients, whether we sold them or not. If we even went out there two years ago, uh, eventually you're going to get a call again and a check-in from us just to say, hey, how are things going? Can we help you? You know, what do you need? Check-ins are a big thing, you know. It just you know, people start all of a sudden remembering, oh, yeah, I do have that thing. Um, you guys mentioned a membership, right? You guys, do you have a club membership? Or you said commercial, oh, yeah. but residential as well. Both sides of it, yeah. So, we call that's it great. Hang a care club. Let's dig into that because it's it's a very foreign concept still after all these years for a lot of roofers. So kind of explain, you explain the commercial side a bit more. How about the residential side? What what do the visits look like? What are the value? For, uh, what are the, you know, what value does a homeowner get from it? Go ahead, see. I know what we do. I don't know about that. Um, so <laughs> we're talking to we had a we had a service tech a couple of years ago that I wish I would was more part of his presentation. Basically, when he went on talk to someone, you couldn't help but buy a Kanga Care Club from him. Okay. He just made it. He just brought it. He just it's like you cannot do this. We're going to come out. We're going to inspect your roof. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. You know, I'll, we do everything pretty much except clean out the gutters. Okay. Um, and. Now, every year, we we set it up now where we do them between July, late June, early July, and August, because that's our, it doesn't rain, um, there's not a lot of storms, so we, we do our care clubs in the summer, and we go out, and just like certain path would have you do it, you know, we call, set an appointment, go out, do an inspection, touch up any caulk or sealants that need to be done, if there's new stuff that comes up. We create, we call it deficiency list. We give them options for it uh, and execute on those when they say yes. That's great. Now, is it, I mean, what's been the key to selling it? it you know, obviously you had the one guy that did did great at, at first, but obviously it's not all built around him. Is it just including it in all of your repair options? Do you include it with every re-roof? Like what, what's, what's been the essential? Yeah, I would say the core of selling them is being focused on selling and I know that sounds really simple, but like, you know, when we do ride-alongs, whether it's a replacement or a repair, one of the key steps that if somebody's doing a ride-along with you and evaluate, did you talk about a King of Care Club, period. Um, and I think it helps too. You know, one of the things my dad says really consistently to the team as far as the message is, hey, everyone loves the big replacements, but we're building this company. We've built this company through service, and that's never going to change. Service is always going to be at the heart of it, and the core of the service is the King of Care Clubs and the maintenance contracts. And I think over time, especially now as we've grown and we've had consistency in the sales team and they see the benefit of that and see the relationships with those clients where it's like, oh, you know, Mason, who a lot of people know because he's done so great for so many years, um, you know, one of the repair guys is going out to preview. He's like, oh, man, you're you're going out to Gracie's house and asking how she is. Right. So it's that relationship piece, too that you really do start to know these people and really do start to care for them. And, and you see the referrals from them too. You know, we know a key care club member is way more likely to refer us out. They might not even ask for credit, but refer us out to their neighbors, their friends, their family, um, which is the best lead you could ever get. Yeah. What is, what does it cost for the home? Uh, for a homeowner? Uh, yeah. nine ninety five a month. We always make it one, one of the cheaper than Netflix now. <laughs> and they get you the yeah i was gonna say and you get uh one annual visit right but yep. and 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 they use it's great branding right i know there's a cost associated to getting someone out there but it leads to opportunity i was like tell me the, the closing percentage on on those uh inspections you're doing has sky high right oh yeah and you know one of the things we stole this from uh scott and stacy down in austin you know i know certain path talks about a 10 percent discount we, we bumped it up to a 50 because it was a little bit more of an incentive to move forward with it. The other two things where we started to get good at these were we we used to, you know, give into the clients a little too much. Oh, you want to pay one lump sum and you want to pay by check. You don't want to do the auto payment. We used to let them do that. Yeah. You know, we moved away from that. We really standardized. If you don't want to do the auto pay, that's okay. You just can't be a part of the club. You know, and it's simplifying mm-hmm. thing. It's made it easier. We have way less cancellations. Um, and the other piece is the diagnostic fee, you know, uh, we used to never have a diagnostic fee five years ago. We started at 29. Our diagnostic fee is now $79 for repair. It's 129 for a flat rate. Um, you know, and, and they're booking at 85 to 95%, whether it's the middle of winter or, you know, go time right now. 
Yeah. That is phenomenal. Detroit who do that too, which is kind of crazy, but it's a testament right. to the call center and to the value. I was going to say, you've got, they're, they're well-trained on the phones and, and obviously people in the community have gotten to know your name and you know, you know your reputation. Uh, just before we, I lose sight on, on call generation, we talked about using outbound for that clubs help mediate typical downtime. How else are you guys generating leads? I know your marketing background or what, what's, what's been really effective for you guys in terms of customers. Yeah. Do you want to go or you want? Nope. Uh, <laughs> we'll think about that again. So you're, yeah. So the, the, the vision, like when I came back, one of the things my dad and I talked about is I had, there was two pieces. It's the website and it's our database. Um, and we've made a really concerted effort when it comes to our database, garbage in, you know, garbage in, garbage out. We want to have a really good database because there's value there because we can remarket to those people. And we do text, phone calls, emails, newsletters, postcards, um, which is a huge value because our number, our, our top two lead sources are existing clients and referrals. Um, after that, the next one is the website. So we, we have made a tremendous investment in our website, uh, which we're actually about to redo again just because technology changes. The organic SEO, which is tough for a lot of people to stay committed to doing that, but we did, uh, and it's returning huge results, and the PPC, you know. Those three, you know, between the existing database and and being really, we want to, I say we're good right now on the web, but we want to become elite. That's really where the leads are coming from. Are you guys doing well, any traditional traditional media as well? I'll oh, go ahead. Yeah. You leaving? I, I thought I was going to be the one leaving out sources, but apparently it's him. Uh, we are part of a local contractor handyman show. Oh, good. We're the, okay. We're the roofing experts on that. Uh, we work with the brand guys for radio advertising. Uh, when we're done with this today, we want to do where I live. There's, it's a bony community. So we're taking Kanga Kenny, kangaroo mascot who's six foot two. And we're going out to my boat to do a photo shoot to start doing marketing that way for, for the area. And love it. we do all the traditional stuff, chamber of commerce yeah. events, uh, trade shows, golf outings, you know, we do all this. Support for this podcast comes from Owens Corning Air Care. Uncover hidden opportunities and take your HVAC business to the next level with Owens Corning. Owens Corning has done the work to provide you with a turnkey system with a simple story that practically sells itself. Add duct replacement and attic insulation to your service offering as part of our program and elevate your sales today. Benefits include sales and product training, marketing support, and a rewards program. For more information on partnership opportunities, visit owenscorning.com slash aircare. So uh, we talked about uh, generating the call, answering the call. Um, let's talk about, how, you know, you guys have repair salespeople, roofing salespeople. How do you decide uh, if you're sending a traditional, you know, re-roof salesperson versus repair tech? How, how is that dispatching decision decided? So that's, that's handled entirely in the call center. Um, and, you know, it, we have a sales administrator, call center manager, and Pete. So he's ultimately the one who's kind of, if there's ever a question, making that decision. Um, but, you know, our call center is trained to ask those questions. Tell us about what's going on. How can we help? What are your goals? Right? Yeah. Um, because what we, you know, we got into a little issue once where, you know, talking about the diagnostic fee, well, they could talk them into a replacement quote, right? Because the replacement's free, but the repair has 79. And then the replacement guy is going out and going, well, this is all that's wrong. So it took a lot of training um, and training and training and continual training. Um, yeah. It's just like answer the phone. We have a very scripted way how we answer the phone. Um, and it's not by accident. It's just, it's consistency and it's consistency in the training of it. And it's not that things don't get screwed up. We had one this morning, um, lovely family. They're ethnic. Hard to understand on the phones. They authorized the $79 diagnostic fee. My service guy got out there and it was very clear they wanted a replacement, not a repair. So he just called in. He let him know, hey, no problem. If you don't go with the replacement, we'll refund your 79 And we're going to get a uh, replacement guy out there, I think, Monday afternoon. So, you know, it's like anything. It's not going to be perfect, but let's communicate yeah. and keep serving the customer at the forefront of what's the right decision. Do you have a KPI for how many repair opportunities turn to uh, replacements? Do you, do you have a target like, you know, 25 or 75? I mean, what, what do you guys, is there a KPI for that? 
So we don't on the sales side have a KPI for that. Um, what we've started to do though, is we've defined a very clear process for the repair guys. You know, before it was a little uh, unclear about when and how do you flip it? How quickly do we get the replacement guy in there? We've played that up this year. Um, senior and I, you know, uh, on the leadership team, you know, that's a discussion point we've had. Cause again, at the end we want it. Service is still the heart. So I don't necessarily want to incentivize the repair guys just to be pushing everyone to replacement. We really do want to repair that roof, get them in King to care for three or four or five years, extend the life of that roof. Because even on the, the residential side, if we do that for two, three, four or five years, when it comes to replacement, we're going to, we're going to get that at a 70, 80% uh, uh, likelihood. And we got what's, repairs up front for the first couple of years. What's the key been to managing that? So they're not just flipping jobs to make money. Like, how, is it, has there been like a checklist in terms of you have to do every single thing here or you have to give them X amount of repair options and then say, you you know, we also, you know, make them say, how about a replacement? I mean, what, what's your process like? It's, it's a lot simpler than that. It's okay. pretty, we run our company on core values and that's, that it's really that simple. Integrity is one of our core values. We care is one of our core values. Um, so if they're not doing the right thing by our clients, they're not going to be working here very often. And, yeah. and our number one goal, our our vision and focus is to make roofs last longer. So whenever we can do that, we do it. Once in a while, the on the residential side, they almost have to talk us into, if we think we can buy them two or three years, they almost have to talk us into, hey, I'm getting a new roof no matter what. It's going to be from you guys or somebody else before we flip back over to the replacement thing. I bet that's helped your closing percentage because people are like, these guys, they got to be honest. They're not digging for the, you know, the new roof right away, which most roofing contractors do. So that has to help. Well, I'll give you an example. We brought on a gentleman this year that, hey, he's been a longtime roofing salesman. He's worked for some big, uh, well-known national brands. Yep. And the single biggest thing he loves about coming here, you know, they were buy or die. You know, you're going to get them or you're going to get most money. No matter what, and if they don't buy that night, who cares? And one of the things that he's really taken to is he's like, I love that I can come out to a homeowner, and if you don't need a replacement and I just can sell you 10 feet of a ridge vent because that's all you needed, I can do that. You know, if the right thing is to take you through an insurance claim, I'm not going to beat you over the head with a retail. I want to take you over. I'm going to take you through the insurance claim. But I think the closing rates have done well simply because, as my dad says, you know, we really do run it by core values. And at the end of the day, you know, we want, we, we care. We approach every group as if it were our own. And if you do that and you live that out, good things happen and, and people can sense that in the sales environment. Authentic sells. Great. Now you mentioned um, on that one particular case, you had a repair tech out. It really, it proved that you need, they wanted a quote. Um, in a situation where the repair tech goes and goes, yeah, this roof really probably needs place. How soon is it always a couple of days out? The salesperson comes. Can they sometimes come same day? Cause that's always, we talk about it. You know, you don't want to lose that opportunity. Right. So yeah. how do you try not to lose that opportunity? Two ways. Um, the hope is you have repair guys eventually that can flip it on their own. Uh, we're not at that point right now. Uh, the flip side is there's a seasonality to it too. Right. When we're crazy, we're in our go season right now. We're not going to be able to most likely get somebody out that day. But the goal would be within 48 hours, we have a replacement guy out there because, uh, and it's a testament to the call center. They now are ranking and prioritizing those appointments. You know, if we have a level, which a, a flip replacement would be a level one. And if you got a two or a three, that level one's going to take their place in the call, in the, in the booking. Great. It makes all that, a well-run call center solve, solves so many issues. So, oh yeah, that's hundred percent. Uh, let, let's talk a little more of your traditional salespeople selling re-roofs. Uh, you said yet how many that are just doing that now? So we have three residential guys, um, and then we have three commercial guys, and the commercial okay. guys do both. Okay, very good. What is just so people you know everyone's on the hunt for great roofs. What's their background? They come from roofing, or they come from not roofing at all? Oh, Mason's backdrop. Well, Mason talked about it a little bit, but my preference. Is yeah. not roof, right? Not roof. Uh, we have one gentleman right now in sales that he was talking to before that has a roofing sales background. We have another one who came off the roof into the service sales side of it. 
But for the most part, uh, we want guys with a certain mindset, a certain personality type, and probably not having been on a roof before they came. Right. And then what's the process? What's the training process? Get someone where they're, you feel they're competent enough to, to sell a re-roof. Well, what's kind of crazy is, you know, we talk about this internally. It's the struggle. The harder position for us to fill is the repair sales position because you actually have to be technically more sound, right? Yeah. Um, but regardless, even on the replacement side, our belief is it's going to be about 45 to 90 days before we're going to feel confident enough to let you go out and meet with somebody solo, right? So in that time frame, we're doing technical training, ride-alongs, video series on, on the certain path up. Like everyone does the 26th week onboarding, right? Everybody does that, no matter what. We're taking through certain teeth screening. Um, but realistically, when we hire somebody, we tell them, just so you understand, it takes a full year of, of just going through this before you're going to be fully trained. And it probably takes two, to be perfectly honest, to where you're, you're not just trained. You really know it inside and out. You know the product and the industry. You know your competition. And that's where... You know, that's really where the secret sauce happens. I mean, if you look at Mason, um, I refer, refer to him all the time because he's been with us for four and a half years now. You know, after the first two years is where he really started to understand the difference of, hey, this is a one-call close. I can get it done as opposed to when should I two-step, right? Yeah. Um, and it's all those little pieces of knowing the system, knowing the product, that that's when it's really, it's fun, but that's where you become great too. Very cool. Very cool. All right, let's... uh. Let's, let's, Matt, we'll get you involved here with, okay, so the roof is sold. The, the roof is sold. Let's talk about the process of how production and residential re-roofing. So, you know, so what's the process like? How does, you know, how does production manage it? How do we make sure that the, the job is staged well so you have all the materials you need and you're not short something? Kind of, kind of walk us through. Yeah, so we have a, our we have a sales administrator who he has to review the project and make sure the sales guy has all their paperwork uploaded to our CRM before it gets handed over to production. And then there's a one day a week we meet with the production and sales. And it's like, if you sold the roof last week, you're going to be in this meeting and we do a handoff where we go through the contract, all the photos, the roof drawings. So that at the end of that meeting, production can take complete ownership. And if there's anything that happens, it's on production and it's not. They're not sitting there blaming the sales guy. And if there's something missing, they can kick it back to the sales guys when they get the right information, then they'll take ownership of it. Okay. Uh, well, what's the, what's real quick, let me interject. What's the window between typically the roof being sold and you get, being able to, to put it on? Is it a couple weeks? So, so you uh, have this. Well, week and a half to two weeks minimum. Oh, and pretty tidying up the backlog. You know, the sales okay. guy's going to get it. Yeah, we got to get it reviewed and we got to meet and let's get it. And, and one more follow-up on how do you keep your sales guys either incentivized or accountable to making sure they get every single thing they need? I guess they just don't want to have to run out again to go to double check something, but that's, I mean, that's something, I mean, that can slow down, right? The production process and revenue process. So what, what's, is there a key or something to that? Uh, I'll jump in. Here's really the secret sauce, him and me. He's production. I'm sales and we're both on the same page. Because what there was a key thing that Matthew said, which is until production accepts it, they can kick it back. And, and if it's legit, if the salesman forgot something, as somebody who was a one-man band selling it, with this guy kicking back anything he wanted, like there is no way you can complain to me about what's getting kicked back because our, our forms are so much tighter. It's so much cleaner. And if you're missing something, go get it. I I, I feel bad for you as the salesman. You're like, it sucks you got to go out there at 7 o'clock, but go get it. And turn it back in so we can get it done. But on the flip side, the, the trade-off for sales is once production accepts it, they can't be coming back to sales going, well, why didn't you? What about? Like that happens so often. That's where that friction can can, can happen. And I really do attribute a ton to at the end of the day, I when it comes to production, I, I, he knows it inside and out. Yeah. I trust him and it used to get us in trouble because they're like, oh, yeah, we can do that. We'll just sign here. We'll figure it out between these two. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds like a salesperson. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. but for, their, for their protection, too, they know I support them. And, and if they say it's not good enough, it's not good enough. All right. Uh, in addition to that, there's an accountability measure, Bob. Our sales team meets four days a week or five. 
We meet five, but not as an entire team. So each so, sign meets at least four. If days. something gets kicked back for any reason, we have an issue list. And they have 48 hours to solve that issue. And every morning, as part of their meetings, they go through the issue list. And it's, for example, we had a gentleman last night said, hey, I ran late on this, and I think I'm just going to go home. And Junior's like, no, part of your oppo is to come back to the office and take care of these four things that you haven't done them. You're coming back to the office, and you're t it's holding them accountable for their behavior. And you explained and that I probably up front, right? They knew oh, that. Yeah. They, that. That's the job description. It's not like, I'm just surprising you with that. Go ahead, Bill. I'm sorry. To I was going to say, and I affectionately call it hurting cats. <laughs> that's the technical term? Yes. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's hurting cats. I 100% agree. Okay. All right. So, so. Navigational buoys. Here you go, Jimmy Buffett. I like it. Um, all right, so all right, so sales and you in production, you guys meet, it's signed off now. Production owned. So, Matt, take me through the next couple steps. So you know you've got this roof to go. Uh, you know these go on in the next week or so. Do you have you know what's the ordering like? How's it staged? Who's going out there to meet with the homeowner to say this is the crew? Kind of walk me through. Yeah. So like I said earlier, we have a uh, we have on uh, on site field project manager, and then we have like a administration project manager in the office so she does all the communication with the homeowner like keeping them loop hey you're a week out you're starting next week hey dumps is coming tomorrow so she handles all the upfront communication um and then what's the project actually gets going field project manager who makes work orders meets with subcontractors does the material list um they take it over and then at the end uh we have a call the closeout tech so they okay. come out, they put a final walkthrough, they meet with, with the homeowner there. Is there any items left out? If so, we'll make a punch list or get them taken care of right then and there. And then they their goal is to leave that day with the check. Um, ask 95% of the time. And if there is a punch list, we say we'll be, punch list will be done within 72 hours. Um, but we need that check now in order to get your warranties and your guarantees. Um which would be part of that would be having a punch to 100% satisfaction guarantee. Has that been a, a critical part of eliminating callbacks? Has that been, I mean, how, how long have you had that tech in place? That sounds like a great. Oh, uh, that this year is the first, first kind of last fall. We started a little bit, but we had a full, uh, we call it closeout tech this year. And yeah, just accounts receivables has been so much better. And the time to get paid has been so much shorter. What and we have, is that a, Oh, go ahead, Bill. We have a form that the closeout tech uses. This, I think this is one of the key things to it. If the homeowner has any issues, you write them down, and you agree to it. They initial it, and at the bottom they sign, and it says, we're going to do A, B, and C. And at the bottom it says very clearly, if Kanga does A, B, and C, you are 100% satisfied, blah, 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 blah. And that is that has so many nitpicky little things have gone away. Because they can't after that, you know, they can't call you on Tuesday and say, hey, I saw what's that little piece of cock is that all this stuff's gone away with that form and with that communication. All those headaches are. That's great. That's neat. Um, what happens to materials that maybe are not used? Right. Oh, so that happens or what What happens to them? So the closeout text, if it's, I mean, relatively small, you know, bundle or half a roll or whatever, the closeout tech picks them up. Because he also does the final cleanup. You know, when the crew is done, the dumps are still there. So they pull the dumpster, and then closeout tech is there within 48 hours to do his walkthrough. He does the final cleanup, grabs any extra material. Very All right, very good. Is there any, uh, you know, I just because we were talking about this internally, do you guys do door knocking? Is that gentleman hanging any mailers or door, door hangers on, on homes around the area or just doing any kind of that kind of stuff just to generate additional business? Soon. 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 Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. You, no, there's always something to do, right? There's always something. No, what a great process, though. Thank you for walking me. Um, numbers a little bit. I mean, I know, you know, you guys are, have really grown as an operation. You're profitable. A lot of that is keeping an eye on, on the numbers. Um, when you notice, like, labor percentage is drifting or anything like that, is do you guys know what the reasons are and, and, and how to fix them? Like, what, what are some of the typical reasons? Well, we meet every week and go over numbers. That's the leadership team every week. And 
we're an EOS company, which uh, it's called Entrepreneurial Operating System, and everybody's accountable for their part of what happens within the company. So as field operations, Matthew owns the labor, he owns the materials, he owns the budgets, and he has to turn in reports every single week, you know, and and like you said, once they own it, they own it. You know, if, if there's a if there's a mistake on a job, we want to know before they take it over so we can adjust. Maybe we're not going to make our margin on this job, but we know it before we start instead of two-thirds of the way through it. So he, he is accountable. And since we've been doing that, our, our gross profit, our net gross market, our gross margin gross market. has gone up anywhere from 7 to 10% over the last two years because of it. That's amazing. Is it just because you're more cognizant of watching it or is that, you, you know, is that, is that maybe the big reason or is there any other been big changes that have tight that have caused it to tighten up? Well, we're watching it. And if you're watching it and then it's like, okay, why is this happening? That creates an issue. And then it's like, okay. And that issue might be an issue that's higher up than another issue. So it forces you to look at the issues that are causing the problems. And then you, fine-tune your process to eliminate those issues and over i don't want to say overnight but pretty miraculous what can happen at that point yeah the other yeah. thing is like our production managers they know like we didn't used to tell them gross margins we'd worry they're thinking we're making all this money and we actually they they track the gross margins and they know the gross margins and they know the goals they have to hit and once they actually took ownership and they were paying attention to it oh Double checking invoices from contractors, start catching more stuff because they know they're at the end of the day responsible for the gross margin on that project. Are they are they incentivized on gross margin now, or or is it more or less just part of the job? No, it's more part of the job. Well, okay, but I would say the entire company now is incentivized on on both gross and net profit because everyone's year end bonuses at least fifty percent of it is tied directly to the profitability of the company. Um, and that's only been in the last two years, I think, where we started to really be transparent with them about that um, so they could understand the numbers even. Um, it's yeah. been, been positive. That's uh, That opens the door to a couple questions I want to ask. So um, that's great because, you know, again, knowledge is power. If you know, you know, why you're, you guys are aiming for certain things, it allows your team to get on board. So how, what was that conversation like? Was it a big company meeting like, hey, guys, this is this is what the numbers are. This is the cost of doing business, not just taking 50 cents from every dollar and stuffing it in our back pocket, right? So how did you guys kind of educate your team the cost? It's really, it's been about a two and a half year journey. Yeah. Teaching them, showing them. Um, for example, we, they know January and February and March, we're probably going to lose money nine out of 10 years. It just, there's, there's not a whole lot we can do about it. The weather's terrible up here in Michigan. There's only so many working days. The sun's only up for so many hours and we got a choice. We can lay off a bunch of people and then try and hire them back or we can lose money in the first quarter. So they know we're going to, you know, lose money in the first quarter. Then they know the second quarter we start getting profitable and, but it's taken years of going through the numbers with them. Every quarter we have a meeting and we go through the numbers for that quarter and for year to date. So they now can see um, like, okay, we lost 3%, but we budgeted to lose 4%. So we're okay. Yeah. Um, we, we grossed, we netted 8%, but we budgeted 12%. So we got a problem you know? yeah. and we hear that with them every quarter. Right. Right. And I guess they know, Hey, we really got to step into that. Especially when you see that first quarter that they're, that you're taking money out of your pockets to make sure they're, they're employed and not having to find, they go, okay, we got to, we got to make hay when the sun shines. That's cool. That's good for you guys. That's great. Um, you mentioned senior, um, your core values, right? And that's something we first introduced the concept of core values. Fluff stuff of business. Really, it's what business is, is founded on, right? That's the bones, the foundation. How did you guys develop your core values and then kind of roll them out to the team and explain their, this is why it's important? It's a good question. Uh, we had them, but we didn't really have them. Everybody has them. Yeah. Whether you have right or not, you know. yeah. So we said, what are we and what do we want to be? And we have, we have six and we have three that we call 
you if you better be hardwired for this or you can't yep. work here. And it's integrity, it's it's caring, and it's focused on improvement. If if you don't want to be better, if you don't care about your coworkers and your team, and if you're not honest, and and you don't care about working with, and you don't want to work with honest people, that's just that's the deal breaker right there. So you just can't be here. Then we have focus. Um, I'm sorry. We have take ownership. We have finished strong, and we have quality counts. You got to have them out on my own. We call yeah. those aspirational values. You know, maybe, maybe you don't have the skills to provide the quality that we need. Well, we're going to put you in a program to improve your quality. Maybe you're a good person, but you tend to make excuses. Well, we're going to we're going to put you through a process to help you learn how to take ownership. So those are aspirational. And then the other three are intrinsically hardwired into people. Yeah, that's cool. So um, I'm sure you guys have grown a lot. You're bringing in a lot of new people. So when you're hiring, I'm sure those are always in your forefront, right? Do these people meet these six core values? Um, where who, Who's doing the interview? You guys all interviewing for your different departments? Or does someone spearhead the recruiting effort in your business at the size you guys are now? Or what do you guys do? That's a really good question. That is one of uh, this year's big projects. Yeah. I took on recruiting about a year ago, year and a half ago, and... We're not going to get where I want to be this year, but we're going to have a person who is in charge of recruiting very soon. But uh, we have it. We do have a process in place for running ads, what they look like, how they sound. We have a young lady that um, handles all of the applicants that come in. There's a pre-question part of it, so she screens them out for some very basic things, like if you're working in the field, do you have a license? Yeah. Are you, are you okay getting on roofs? Are, you know, yeah. Do you like being on ladders? And she's once it gets past there, then we have either a, a one- or two-step process. If it's an entry-level person, we call it a two-step interview, where they will we interview for core value fit, and then we will interview to see if we want to hire them at the same time. If it's in sales or admin or management or anything like that, there's a core value interview, and then there's one or two more do you do you fit here? Do you want to work here? Do you have the skill set to work here? That type of thing. Yeah. And one member, we got a fourteen four member leadership team. One of us four meets with every single prospective employee that comes to work here. Oh, that's great. That's very. Um, how about um, you know, you're you're really careful about who you bring on, and then how do you manage those relationships once someone's aboard? I know you're training, you're onboarding. I heard you. Do all the right things just over the course of our conversation. Do you guys do ones or anything like that to keep a temperature on people so you're not turning through people all the time? What do you guys do? It it it's back to the issue tracking. Um, yeah. We stay in touch with every department has meetings. Every department has one on ones. Um, every quarter we have what's called a quarterly conversation. You sit down with them, and you they rate themselves on the core values. You talk about skill set and what they need to work on. We have a um, a goal program for them, um, personal development goals. We talk about are you on track, off track, and how do you? But we we meet every week and we go in. We go. I'm gonna to say really deep, but we go a little bit deeper every quarter. Yeah. To make sure that they're in the right seat and they're happy, and issues come up, we deal with them. Well, and I'll tag on one thing. You know, when you hire by core values. And one of your core values is we care. Yeah. And you take and you pair that with take ownership and quality counts. It's really hard to work with people and live those out and not develop those relationships, which that relationship, that sense of belonging and fulfillment is how you keep great employees. It's not to pay. Pay helps, but it's sure. it's that commitment and relationship and communication that that really keeps them. Have been uh, a lot of your new hires been word of mouth. There have been a, a good, you know, chunk of those. Oh, I, hey, so-and-so said this is a great place to work. So that's. Yeah, we get a decent amount of those. And we do have a uh, reward system for people yeah. that, you know, you, you recommend somebody and they stick. It's a two week, 30 day, 90 day. There's a reward system in place for, for bringing. Yeah. Um, and I look at it as if you bring someone to me and I interview and I hire them and they're not a good fit, it's my it's my fault. It's not yours for referring them. Okay. Yep. And they and then team understands that. But I would say it's probably thirty percent referral and sixty percent 
um, just being out recruiting constantly with ads and events. Uh, juniors started uh, with King of Kenny. Where is we should have him up there? We should have put we should have put, put King of Kenny in the background. Sorry, yeah, but oh, that's started, all right. We started doing some outreach to to schools um, where we go and talk about skill trades and bring King of Kenny with us. Uh, we do some of our advertising is. It's we we deal with the brand guys. You know what I'm talking. About. It's recruiting well, yeah. and recruiting at the same time. So, well, and one of the I think one of the neat things is the people who are now in more leadership roles are people who have, for the most part, been brought in and grown into those roles, right? So they came in, they were core value fits, and then they've been nurtured and developed and grown into. You know, you look at Pete in the call center. You look at Justine, who's our one of our um, project managers. She started as a carpentry laborer, right? Yeah. And she grew into that role. Mikey, who's his sheet metal foreman, same thing, started as a carpentry laborer, has grown into a sheet metal foreman. Um, and it's because you went to identify those core value fits. I mean, you kind of got to just wrap your arms around. Yeah. And it's great. I mean, you guys have, um, there's some people that are happy being a smaller company, but you guys, by growing, you're giving those people opportunities. Not going to lose them because they go. I've hit my, I've hit the ceiling. I got nowhere to go. I got to. So they've yep. grown with you, and that even more buy-in. I feel like you can grow with a company. How how neat is that? Um, I, I wanted to start wrapping up. I got a handful left for you, but uh, just in, in terms of your relationship with with our organization, what has it meant for your business overall throughout these last? I guess it's been gosh, what eight years, something like ten years now. Correct. Ten years. And wow. Ten so years. what's what's it been like? You should have worn your watch. I'm gonna fit in this crazy. I got I got to lose some weight and get healthier. So you and me both, lady. I understand. And your watch is at home, but uh, okay. It is uh, the best way to say it is life changing. It's been a life changing experience. Um, I was like so many other contractors when we signed up. I was struggling. Uh, we were a quarter million dollars in debt. We weren't profitable. Uh, every day was a struggle. Uh, you know, beat your head, get your head bloody every day going to work and recover and start over the next day. But what I what I liken it to by joining certain path is I was a good roofer who didn't know how to run a business. And I feel like certain path has given me a hands-on MBA and how to run a home services company and still be a good roofer. Yeah. Um, I did something. I probably should do it again. This was about a year and a half ago. I had a, I just set aside some time and I said, what have we done as a company since we've been in SGI then now certain path? And it was, it was two pages of stuff that we implemented one at a time after the other, after the other. I mean, when we joined and somebody said, you need to put your guys in uniform. I was like, are you freaking nuts? My guys, <laughs> first of all, I can't afford it. Second of all, my guys. You yeah, know, yeah. You know, I got the best looking service types in Southeast Michigan. Right. You know, it's one step at a time. If it's 10 years, it's one. You know, you talk about our growth. Our growth was very slow for six or seven years because we we're building infrastructure, building a base with yeah. the right people that now we are on more of an upward trajectory. Yeah. And and it's also been neat. It's that you're, you're got, your sons have been able to enjoy this ride too. And, and I think, you know, about it, they're two sharp guys. They've helped tremendously right it's not when you're one person it's hard to do all this by having three of you it's been able like i i feel like as an outsider looking in it's probably helped amplify the growth more so Absolutely. than it's just been 100 i mean think about it there's no way to be at a company of our size like i don't know everything that matthew does day in and day out and i don't need to know you know i i couldn't do my job and lead my team if i was worrying about what he's doing and then conversely if he was doing the same thing or if we had to worry about the service department, because seniors got that. Um, having a, you, Nobody does this on their own. The more we learn, the more we grow, the more you realize, you know, there's no overnight success. You, the, the success, you might just see the tip of the iceberg, and there's no one person, right? You know, Walt Disney had Roy. There, there's always more to that story. 100%. 100%. Um, senior, maybe this is more for you, but, you know, Aunt Bill, you can speak up as well. Is there anything you would have done differently over the last that's easy (laughs) okay let's hear it yeah i mean they can tell you all the things they screwed up in addition to this but 
<laughs> we're gonna need more time. I'm gonna say that's a different okay. podcast. Lori Block for a second interview. All right, that's fair. And that's a whole different list. It's like four pages <laughs> to study. Yeah. But no, the the real simple answer is uh, the first three years I was in uh, SGI, be a lot less prideful and be a lot more willing to ask for help. I was a very avid learner and I paid attention to a lot of stuff, but I wasn't good at reaching out and asking for help on things. Like, so that was yeah. that was that was huge. It makes sense. It makes sense. It's hard. It's hard to ask for help when you're like, okay, I can do this. I can man up. But boy, just it's easier to take the easier path, you know. Yeah. How about you two? Is there anything you over the? I mean, this long journey you've been, especially you've been with them the whole time, uh, that you would have done differently or think you guys, boy, if we just started this two years earlier, twenty. Um, nothing that's coming to the top of my mind right now. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe just. Send them people to like EP sooner. Like I think we've sent Brian and Deanna now. And I mean, Brian's been with us for 10 years and we waited eight years to send him to EP. So maybe sending him there sooner. Right. Do more involved quicker. Yeah. You see that light maybe turn on. They go, oh my gosh. Yeah, I get what you're trying to do now. Right. Yeah. That's drinking out of a fire hose. Right. But it's exciting when you see that opportunity. Very cool. Um, Okay. Two more. Where, where do you guys see yourselves in the next five to 10 years? It's going to happen at King. That's easy. I'll turn that over to You see, so one of the cool things about um, both Certain Path and EOS is you have to have a 10-year vision, a three-year vision, and a one-year vision. So, uh, and ours, because it's tied into the the buyout, is about a, eight years out or seven, whatever it does. Seven, seven. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's um, We know we're crystal clear with our team. We want to be recognized as a top 100 roofer. Uh, in the entire country, we want to be the brand leader for uh, roofing in Metro Detroit, and we want to have a hundred people uh, on our team that are the right people and the right seats. And, and and dollars wise, we know that means it's going to translate in today's dollars and installing about twenty five million dollars a year with a split of forty residential, forty commercial, twenty service. And he's free clear to know what he wants at that point. We're running it with Brian, and we have the managers running the business, the leadership team working on the business with a, a focus on growth and, and more than one location. All right. L- last last question. Just any other final words of wisdom you pass along to other members or other non I'll jump in just because I came in late to this whole process, which then for me, I think was a blessing because I came in as Easter was saying, oh yeah, SGI certain path is great. So I went in and just anything like that first training uh, sales tree with Jared and Lon and Rebecca was like, oh, that's just the way you do it. Like right. the proven processes are proven processes for a reason. If you can trust your trust the process and and get out of your own way uh, and follow it, good things are going to happen. And and we constantly review. It's like, oh, it was our fault. We were in a way we screwed this up. If we just had done it this way, it would have worked. And that's my yeah. And he, and he's hundred percent right. As a quote unquote entrepreneur, I and developing and growing this pretty much on my own for a while. And then Matt came in later, like I do what I do, how I do. And even when he and I worked together for five or six years, we didn't have to have buttoned up process because he knew and I knew what our strengths and weaknesses were and what I was thinking. And we knew all that stuff. We worked, we didn't have to talk about stuff, but when you grow as a company, you got to have process. And for people like me, that's really painful, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, if I'm going to have process, then I got to hold myself accountable to the process. And yeah. too many owners think they're above that. Yeah. It's like, you have to do this, but I'm the owner, so I can do what I want. And making a commitment to process and holding them, allowing them to hold me accountable to the process, it's super important. Sometimes it's very painful, but it's super important. That's phenomenal. I, I, I don't think we can get any better than that. That was some great final words. I mean, that accountability is huge for it is an entrepreneur that's so difficult. But when you find a way to do that, uh, obviously you can see the results and wow, you guys. Have so Matt, Bill and Bill, thank you so much for your time today on a, a, on a Friday. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Keep killing it. And I look forward to seeing you guys at a, a certain path event sometime soon. Guys, take care. Thank you. you. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. If so, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're on your favorite podcast player, please leave us a five-star review. 
The two seconds you take to leave a review will help other success-minded contractors like you find us and hopefully get a little bit better, which elevates our entire industry. And please join me for future episodes. This has been The Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath. Support for this podcast comes from Reem. Brothers Richard and Donald Reem founded Reem Manufacturing Company in Emeryville, California in 1925. The company has produced a number of cutting-edge products in its 89 years of operation. Today, Reem is North America's only manufacturer of HVAC, water heating, pool and spa heating, and commercial refrigeration solutions. For more information, go to reem.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Certain Path family. Certain Path builds successful home service businesses and has for 23 years. We do it by providing contractors with a proven path to success, professional coaching, software solutions, and a member community of over 1,000 contractors just like you. Doubling your sales with a 20% net profit and an inspiring company culture is all possible. Let us show you the way. With Certain Path, success is made certain. Visit www.mycertainpath.com for more information.